You know him, you love him as the mayor of Los Angeles. He's John Hoven from Mayor's Manor, all things LA Kings. John, as always, appreciate the time. How are you today, man? Well, Will, Logan, thanks for having me on, boys. And I have to tell you, I like the sound of that intro there. You get uh, the Kings advancing past the Oilers potentially in the first round to play the Flames in the second round. It has a Smythe division feel to it, and I'm here for it. Do it. Sign me up. Yeah, just bring back the uh, purple and gold, and we'll be all good, right? That's that's all we need. <laughs> well, that's a different point for a different day. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, John, you know, it's funny. There's obviously uh, some history between these two teams. Uh, we know that. It would be awesome to get them in the playoffs. And, um, of course, down there, Daryl Sutter is beloved for what he did with the L.A. Kings. But I wanted to start this conversation because – you know, a lot of people in this market, as you can understand, talk about Daryl Sutter for the Jack Adams and leave the discussion there. They don't really talk about anybody else. But if you look at the LA Kings, the year they've had, how much they've exceeded expectations, we knew they were going to be better, but I don't think many people had them at second in the division with 11 games to go. And then you look at their injured list, and you really have to, I think, tip your hat to the job that's been done by Todd McClellan. How much would you put him in that conversation when it comes to the Jack Adams trophy? Well, I think he absolutely has to be in the conversation. And if for no other reason than, than to make my preseason prediction come true, because uh, on the fourth period when we go through and do our predictions, I, I had the Kings in a playoff spot, and I said that Todd McClellan would win, uh, or excuse me, would, uh, yeah, would win the Jack Adams trophy. Uh, so I, I certainly think I thought it at the time, and I still think it. I thought at the time that if you took a club that was in the cellar and at the bottom of the Pacific Division, and then you work in a Phil Deneau, you work in a Victor Arvidsson, you work in an Alex Edler, and you're able to uh, get this L.A. Kings team back into the playoffs for the first time in many years, I thought that he, would, he was worthy of a nomination. Now add to that what you just said, which is uh, all of the injuries that they've had to, you know, to overcome. Uh, having been without Drew Doughty, all-star, you know, all-world defenseman for, for a good chunk of the season, and then plus you have guys like Dustin Brown and Athanasiu, and the list just goes on and on. Um, from an injury perspective, and at one point here, just a few weeks back, the Kings started a game with six defensemen who were not in the starting lineup uh, at the beginning of the year. So it's not just an injury, it's a long list of injuries, and there still are eight guys right now that are out with injuries uh, on both sides of the puck. So it, it's, been a, it's been a fabulous job that McClellan's been able to do, and even sometimes uh, when you look over the line combinations or, or how he's put things together and you almost scratch your head for a second, then you go out and watch the performance of the team, and it, it, it's kind of proof of what he and the coaching staff wanted to accomplish. So hats off to Todd McClellan for sure here in Los Angeles. Let's talk about that young decor, John. Obviously a very impressive Alberta road trip as uh, you know they get points in both those games. They've won back-to-back now. They are trying their best to hold off the Oilers. You mentioned six defensemen that weren't in the lineup in October when the season began. Uh, you know, Alex Edler as well as a player that was brought in as a veteran that has missed well over 40 games with a broken leg, then missed some more time. He's back now. But, you know, you look at the, the youth and they were supposed to have the veteran presence in there to help with that youth. But it's been missing for a big chunk of the year. How impressed have you been with this young blue line? Well, you know, I think actually it goes back to last year. Yeah, a lot of these guys that have been coming in, the younger players, that is, that have been coming in and filling in on the blue line. They're not guys that are at the top of their list in terms of their deep prospect pool. We're not talking about Brant Clark. We're not talking about Brock Faber, two guys that could turn pro and be in the L.A. pipeline next season. But we're talking about guys that were more of their mid-tier prospects. And Austin Strand is the name that comes to mind. 
Uh, he was kind of on the outside looking in, but due to injuries, he had a chance to play last year, looked very comfortable in the role. And this year, a guy like Sean Dursey, who, again, due to injuries, had an opportunity to come in and play and really solidified his spot. And his his uh, standings in terms of depth on the depth chart has gone up exponentially here uh, since he's come into the lineup in November. And then you get into some younger players, guys like Jordan Spence, who weren't considered really to be uh, – pro prospects per se for at least another season more like two plus seasons and Jacob Mavari as well who at the time when he was drafted was a 17 year old player one of the youngest players the Kings had ever drafted these are guys who uh, were down in Ontario down in the American League and just really beginning to kick off their pro careers uh, and weren't players that you would have expected to be in Los Angeles and in the lineup uh, a matter of fact I remember when Mavari was called up the first time just he was going to be a healthy scratch but the fact that he was even called up to the NHL because of the, the lack of depth on the left, left side uh, w- was very much surprising. You know, if you can imagine the emoji with the big eyes, um, I wasn't the only one seeing it. There were some, some text messages from, you know, people with inside the organization blowing up my phone that day in, in a positive way. Right. And here's the real kicker. These guys have looked like they belong. They haven't looked out of place. They haven't been making a lot of those young mistakes it almost starts or continues the trend that started with Mikey Anderson when he came out of college a couple of years ago and after a brief time in the American League slipped right into the NHL and hasn't missed a beat. It's kind of the same thing uh, that they've been seeing. So, uh, it, you know, we talked earlier, kudos to uh, Todd McClellan. You have to tip your cap here to the L.A. Kings development staff. Uh, they've done an, an outstanding job of preparing players to get them ready for life in the National Hockey League. John, speaking of that long injured list, are we expecting anyone back here anytime soon? I know Dowdy's likely not back until playoffs, if that. But on that injured list, are we expecting anyone back here before the end of the regular season? Yeah, it looked like Matt Roy and Brendan Lemieux were going to be in the next two players back. They've worked a few guys in. You mentioned Alex Edler. He's been back. Uh, also, uh, you know, uh, Bjornfoot has recently returned. But it looks like next on the list is probably going to be Matt Roy. He was out there skating again today. Uh, during the morning skate, so we'll have to see how hard he goes at practice here over the next couple of days. Brendan Lemieux should have been back by now, but uh, had a little bit of a setback uh, a few weeks ago, right before the road trip. So having him back out there this morning skating, that was a good sign. And then there's a potential that Dustin Brown, who was also skating today, could be seen uh, back before the end of the season. That's the hope, waiting for for his injury to heal. So uh, after you get past you know, kind of that group, the next tier of injuries would be guys like Mikey Anderson, who, you know, they're, they're certainly hopeful that uh, he's going to hit that four to six weeks that they had originally projected and get him back, get him playing, get Drew Doughty hopefully in for a couple of games before the playoffs. And if all goes well, they'll be healthy uh, heading into the postseason. He's John Hoven of Mayor's Manor. All things L.A. Kings, our guest here on the big show of Sportsnet 960, L.A.N. Calgary, 830 puck drop tonight from Crypto.com Arena. Logan. John, what can you say about uh, Sean Dursey, who uh, we've watched out here in Alberta play close to 30 minutes a night? He's just been a mainstay on that injured Kings blue line and is part of a, what's turned out to be a pretty impressive return for the Kings in that trade with Jake Muzzin and the Leafs. Yeah, at the time when they made that deal for Jake Muzzin, there were some Kings fans that weren't too happy about it. It was really the first big move as they turned the page and went into the rebuild. Uh, we had announced that they were going to be going in that direction in December of 2018. Then they make that trade. Uh, sending Muzzin to Toronto uh, and, and getting three assets back in return that ended up being, in part, uh, Sean Dursey along with Tobias Bjornfoot. So, so some real strength there on the blue line. In terms of Dursey, I mean, the book on him is, is well-known by people that follow the Kings prospect uh, pool. A, an offensive-minded player who really needed to work on his defense. And 
like I said earlier, he wasn't somebody that was penciled in to be up with the big club this year. You thought maybe he'd get a cup of coffee, but the Kings were set with their seven defensemen heading into the uh, into the season this year, and it's why they put guys like Kale Clegg uh, on, you know, avail- made him available to the expansion draft last year as well, and then ultimately lost him to to waivers. So, uh, you, you know, you have a situation with Sean Dersey where he's came, he's come in, he's made the most of it. The offense that, that uh, you know has he's known for has been there uh, and, and really just continued needed to work on the defensive side of things. I think probably the most impressive thing with Sean Dersey is the composure and having watched him closely over the last couple of years at the American league level, his composure is much, much better than where it was. He's so steady and doesn't seem to rattle in the big moment. So while the defensive side of the puck still needs, you know, some continued improvement, he's made so many improvements in his game overall that uh, it makes him a viable NHL defenseman, and, and he, he's been a major part of the turnaround. Uh, if you look at the LA Kings season from when they got off to such a rough start, adding a little bit of offense back on the blue line, a puck mover, which is what he is, he's really been instrumental. And, and it's almost scary to think about if he wasn't in the lineup with Drew Doughty out of the lineup, where they would be getting any offense at all, really, from the blue line. How important has uh, the acquisition of Philippe Deneau been to this Kings team? a thousand times uh, more important than I could ever explain in a brief interview and probably a thousand times more important than anybody expected at the time. Um, you know, it, it, it caught some people off guard that that was the free agent that they were going to, that they were going to go out to get. Uh, when, when you looked at this team last year and where they were in the standings and what they so desperately needed was offense to go out and get a guy like Phil to for some people didn't make sense at the time. The explanation made sense when you dug into it, which was, Hey, look, we need to get somebody who's defensively responsible, who complements the type of game that we play, who can slot in behind Kopitar. He's probably not a legit uh, 2C, but we want him to play 2C because we can't ask Gabe Velarde or Quentin Byfield at this early stage of their careers to step in and play 2C. Those guys will slot in as a third-line or even a fourth-line center. It takes some pressure off of them, allows them to develop. So from that standpoint, they bought insurance, and it made a ton of sense. Now, what it's ended up being is far more than that. Philippe Deneau has really been the straw that stirred the LA Kings drink this season. He's been without a doubt the most consistent offensive player that they've had. Um, it's not to say that he's the best offensive player, but he's absolutely been the most consistent player. And what's been probably the most intriguing thing about it beyond his consistency is regardless of who they put with him as wingers, those guys seem to elevate their game. So he has really done a fabulous job of dragging other players into the game and, uh, it's almost from his standpoint, too bad that he's not an unrestricted free agent this summer because he would be getting paid a hell of a lot more money than they signed him to when they signed him to that six-year deal last summer. I'm curious on the goaltending front. I know Jonathan Quick has started more games than Cal Peterson has this year. Is it still a split in L.A., or is there a favor that you would say has an inside shot at starting a potential game one playoff scenario for the Kings? Well, it's really funny that you asked that today, being that Cal Peterson is going to get his third start, because if you look back, it was a it was an even-even, sort of 50-50 split. Then, then McClellan was going to a two-game rotation at a time, and now to see Cal Peterson back in there, it is rather interesting, because a week ago, or even two weeks ago, I would have said, if you asked the same question, that Jonathan Quick was most likely going to be the starter uh, come playoff time. He had, he's been the mo- more consistent of the two throughout the year. Cal's had a real hot and cold season at times. When he's on, he's on. And then when he goes cold, he's had some challenges uh, where Quick has been more consistent, like I said. Uh, Now, of late, 
Kalis played some phenomenal hockey. He's earned the start, and uh, you know he's he's been in net for for both of the games against uh, uh, Calgary this season, I believe as well. A three-two loss in Los Angeles for the Kings to the Flames back in December, and then of course that three-two shootout win in Calgary recently. So uh, this is this is Sutter Bowl Part Three, and we'll see if uh, Cal Peterson and the Kings are up to the challenge tonight at home. Just a couple more with John Hoven from uh, Mayor Expected, and, and, you know, maybe that's not what they had in terms of expectations inside the front office, but as we neared the deadline, and, you know, injuries certainly played a factor, I'm sure, but were you at all surprised with how quiet the Kings were on deadline day? To be honest, I wasn't surprised, and I've been tweeting that uh, for the kind of two weeks leading into the trade deadline and also mentioned it on our podcast, Kings of the Podcast, a few times. The Kings were not in a position where they were going to trade a first-round pick for a rental. They also weren't in a position where they were going to make a huge swing trading away multiple picks or multiple prospects for a player just because of the injuries. Now, what I mean by that is they were very much in and still continue to be interested in a guy like Jacob Chikrin, and that's probably going to cost them three to four key assets, a couple of first-round draft picks and uh, you know some top-tier prospects along with that. The reason that that deal would make sense for L.A., uh, it would be a number of different reasons, and it starts with the age of the player. Right now, this Kings team is top-heavy with their veterans on one side and then heavy on the bottom in terms of the, the younger players on the other side. They need to fill that middle gap uh, from an age distribution standpoint, and so they've been highly targeted in terms of what they're looking to do, uh, both at forward and on defense. And when it comes to the defense, they do need to shore up the left side, and they probably need to shore it up with somebody who's at around 24 to 26 years old. You get a guy like Jacob Chikrin, if possible, with his contract for the next three to four years at a good price point, they can go ahead and move some assets out. The Kings, they're in this weird position. It almost sounds funny to say they have too many prospects. They're not going to be able to play all of the kids, and all of the kids aren't going to hit either. So it would be to their advantage to sort of thin the herd a little bit by going out and getting uh, a defenseman like that. Uh, When Arizona wasn't interested in moving him at the deadline for reasons that make sense, you probably have to put that trade on hold until the summer. And if uh, Chikrin ends up going somewhere else, then the Kings are going to have to look to another defenseman. But really, the next big move, in my opinion, needs to be for another forward. Uh, you know, they added Philippe Deneau at center last year. They added Victor Ardvidsson. That's great. But if they are to become more than just a, a, a team challenging for the playoffs, which is what they expected this year, and if they want to look to be a serious contender either next year or the year after, they're going to have to add a legitimate proven goal scorer, not wait for one of these kids like a Kaliev or a Turcotte or a Byfield to develop into one, which could take a couple of years. They're going to need to add a proven goal scorer. So uh, if you know of any 26 to 27-year-old, you know, 25-plus goal scorers that are available at the right price, uh, please uh, send a text message to Rob Blake and let him know because he'll be looking at those players, uh, you know, come July. We mentioned off the top two, the race for second in the in this division as we get set for this game against the Flames tonight. The uh, the Vegas Golden Knights have suddenly found their game a little bit. They've won five in a row. The Oilers are playing better as well. Uh, of course, that game last week in Edmonton went to a shootout. Uh, how do you see this race breaking down, and, and what's important for the Kings here in the final 11 games to hold off the likes of the Oilers and Vegas Golden Knights? Well, the first thing I would say uh, would be Never wish for something uh, because it usually comes back to bite you. So when you wish for things like, hey, you know what? Maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea for the Kings to finish third and go ahead and let Edmonton have home ice advantage in that playoff round because the Kings have played better on the road this year. Whenever you start to pick and choose that type of thing heading into the postseason, it has a tendency to, to, to come back and bite you. So if I'm the L.A. Kings, I'm in second place right now. I want to do what's necessary 
to hold on to second place. I think it does a lot for the confidence of this team. I think it also says a lot about the guys in the locker room to be able to hold on to that second place spot, given all of the injuries and the matchup in terms of being able to face Edmonton should be a good matchup. Obviously you don't want to play Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, but when you talk about defense, when you talk about goaltending and how those two things typically make a, a, a huge difference in a, in a seven game series, I think that that's going to play well for the LA Kings when you match up those two rosters pound for pound. But again, if I'm the Kings, I'm not looking to the postseason right now. I'm looking towards what do I need to accomplish here over the last dozen or so games that are left? Uh, and, and how am I going to be able to pick up points? The road trip they just came off of, a very impressive road trip. They picked up points in all three games. They get five of the six total as they go through Canada. Uh, they went through an Eastern road trip earlier this year, picking up points on six games. Uh, the, the road has been their friend. Now they need to figure out how to win those games at home. So it's an important stretch this week. Uh, getting those wins last week in Canada or picking up those points was helpful, but you don't want to give it back when you're playing Calgary at home tonight and when you're playing Edmonton at home on Thursday. need to pick up you know, three of these four points that are on the table here this week. And then the schedule on paper gets a little bit easier as they have some games against Chicago, Anaheim, Seattle, et cetera. So theoretically, things get a little bit easier after you get past these couple games here. Final one for you, John. Uh, third and final matchup, as we mentioned, the regular season against the Flames tonight. The previous two were 3-2 finals. You mentioned the Sutter Bowl, part three. We expecting, uh, it would be a safe bet to say another 3-2 game tonight. What are you looking for in this matchup with Calgary? Yeah, I'm going to give you a 3-2 final, but I'll give you one more. Alex Ayafalo scored the first goal for the Kings in Game 1, scored the first goal for the Kings in Game 2. So, <laughs> I mean, I have to keep the streak alive. Alex Ayafalo is going to score the first goal of the game tonight. The question is just going to be which one of these two teams will end up on the, the right side of the 3-2 win. Uh, if you're the Kings, you hope that it at least goes into overtime so they come away with at least a point. But uh, coming off of this road trip, confidence is high right now. L.A.'s looking for another win uh, against Daryl and his boys at home in L.A. When I saw Tyler Toffoli speaking today and he was talked about, you know, memories in that building, he said, yeah, it's all great, but ever since I've been traded, it includes the Vancouver days. I know there was obviously the year where they never played due to the Canada division, but uh, he's like, I still haven't beat the Kings. So it'd be nice to, to change that trend tonight. So uh, I'm sure it's always special for those guys. And we talked about it uh, when the first time we had John, John before the first meeting of the year in Los Angeles, uh, Daryl Sutter never has to buy a drink in the area again. I'm sure it's always special when Sutter's back in the building. Well, it'll be great to have Daryl back in, and hopefully he has Chris in tow as well. So quick shout-out to Chris Sutter, who uh, had a birthday last week. Yes. It's always great to run into Chris at the rink, and uh, hopefully he's he's going to be in town for the game tonight. 29 years young, uh, Chris Sutter. Appreciate the time as always, John. Thank you for this, and uh, have fun tonight. You got it, fellas. We'll talk soon. Thank you. You bet. There he is, John Hoban from Mayor's Manor.